And um, I'm just, I'm just speechless. I'm so glad you're here to preach. Come, take your liberty, do whatever you want to do in the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Shall we all stand? My heart is just palpitating within my chest, bringing back memories to me of the most wonderful days of my life. I've been privileged to preach far beyond my deserving to masses around the world. Some of the largest meetings that we have, I've been privileged to to be there and speak. But I remember running my bus route, coming in, leading the song service, preaching the message, working the altars, putting them back on the bus, driving them home. I remember that. Some of the most fruitful, enjoyable, pleasurable days of my life. And I, I give honor to God bringing a man here with a heart for the community. Every guest here, you have no idea how blessed you are that God sent a man that loves you and is concerned about you. And I want to say that you're in a place where you can trust these people. They are people of character. They are people of honesty. It's not about them. It's about you. That's why they are here. So give the Lord a hand clap for sending a wonderful man of God and his wife to you. God bless you. You may be seated. I could spend a lot of time with proper procedure, ethical tradition of the Pentecostal movement. But this is a crusade service tonight. And this is, I understand how that operates. To all of our fellow ministers that have come to help us, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's why we are called the United Pentecostal Church. Events like this prove that we are united. I will not uh, particularly announce different ones that I'd like to honor here tonight. We'll go quickly to the word of the Lord. It's a high privilege to share in this momentous weekend that is going to catapult this assembly into a brand new dimension of aggressive successful, soul-winning, productive growth. Clap your hands and receive that right now. Luke chapter 3 and verse 15 is where we will read this evening. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ, or not. That verse of Scripture is the only one we'll read tonight, and I'm going to speak to you on the proper posture of the Pentecostal church. The proper posture of the Pentecostal church. If you're a casual reader of the Bible, student of the Bible, and you've read your Bible through, you've, you've looked at this verse And perhaps as I did for a long time, just read it and move on to the next verse and fail to realize that in my estimation, this little verse in Luke 3 and 15 is perhaps one of the greatest verses in my Bible to encourage me and to challenge my faith in God. 
one of the most incredible verses of Scripture in the Bible. And the people were in expectation. And all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the coming, prophesied, predicted, promised Messiah. If you just look at that verse, it does a great thrill to your soul. But I want to show you the power of the significance of that verse. And it is this. It is in what precedes that verse that makes it absolutely amazing. This verse of Scripture is located very close to the conclusion of what Bible scholars refer to as the 400 years of silence. From Matthew, from Malachi to Matthew, there was a 400-year period of spiritual silence. It seems that most people would agree that perhaps it's because God was transferring his present emphasis from the spiritual to the physical. The next great spiritual event would be the coming of the Messiah. And the world, culturally, physically, had to be prepared to receive the greatest event of all times, the birth of Christ. The Roman Empire would be coming in to its power. Roads and avenues would be being built, bringing the world that existed then into a closer proximity because the world needed to hear the word that the promised Messiah had come. And so for 400 years, there was no spiritual activity. God was working physically, preparing the world to receive the Messiah. So for four, now you'll get tired of me in the next few minutes saying 400 years. Everybody say 400 years. I want you to help me preach here. I'm going to make a statement. And I want you to respond in exasperation, total depravity of, of patience, and say like this, 400 years. Let's try it one time. 400 years. It's as though you can't comprehend that. 400 years. When I point to you, your part in the message will be four. Hundred years. Spiritual silence. Years. No message from the Master. Years. No direction from divinity. Years. No miraculous manifestations. Years. No supernatural demonstrations. Years. No burning bushes. No parting waters. Years. No crumbling walls. Years. No falling giants. Years. No visible gesture of God's goodwill or holy assistance. Years. No prayers being answered. And then we read the people were in expectation. 
They were in expectation after 400 years of nothing. The people were in expectation. And the New English Bible states it like this. The people were on tiptoe of expectation. They were on tiptoe of expectation after 400 years of nothing. My challenge to us tonight is this. If after 400 years of nothing, the people were on tiptoe of expectation, how much more should this spirit-filled, blood-covered, Calvary-purchased, prophetically-predestined church be expecting God to do supernatural works? Let me just quickly ask you, how long has it been since you saw God? How long has it been since God answered your prayer? How long has it been since you've seen a miracle? I'm telling you, we need to live on the tiptoe of expectation. If after 400 years, you may be seated, they were on tiptoe, how much more should we be on tiptoe of expectation tonight? So I rise to tell you the key word for this church right now is expectation. Pray in expectation. Praise in expectation. Preach in expectation. I'm getting ready to give an altar call in a few minutes in expectation. I'm in miracles, signs and wonders, healing and deliverance and Holy Ghost, lives change. I'm on my tiptoes tonight expecting great things from God. Somebody shout yes. So the key word is expectation. No longer begging. No longer just believing. No longer just praying. No longer just wishing. No longer just hoping. Right now we've passed all that. We're in expectation. Nothing's going to shock us. Nothing's going to surprise us. Nothing's going to catch us where we'll say, well, I never thought that was going to happen. As a matter of fact, after tonight, we're all going to be delivered from something the Pentecostal church needs to be delivered from. And I've caught myself at times. After tonight, Bishop, it's over. How many times have you had somebody tell you, well, God, feel nine with the Holy Ghost Sunday. And you know what they say, Brother Smith? Can you believe that? Or they will say, unbelievable. After tonight, can you believe that? Will not be in our vocabulary. After tonight, unbelievable. Will not be in our vocabulary. All you have to say is, Jesus did it. And if you say, Jesus did it, I believe it. Because with him, nothing is impossible. With him, nothing is impossible. He can heal what you thought never could be healed. He can deliver what you thought you'd never get out of. He can change what you thought never could be changed. Let's get on our tiptoes of expectation tonight. So let me show you and validate why we should be, this should be the proper posture of the Pentecostal church. 
I love this verse, Colossians 2 and 14. And the Bible reads, blotting out, this is what Jesus did for us. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Notice what he did, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You know what that verse tells me? Everything that stood between me and my miracle has been moved out of the way. Everything that could ever stop me from getting a prayer heard has been moved out of the way. Everything that could ever stop me from receiving the Holy Ghost has been moved out of the way. Everything that could ever stop me from having revival has been moved out of the way. Everything that ever, could ever be in my way to stop me from being blessed, I want everybody to shout, God took it away by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Everything that was in your way, it's not there anymore. There's nothing to stop you. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can know God. You can be saved. You can be blessed. You can have miracles because he took it out of the way. Clap your hands and shout yes. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want you to know the church needs to be on tiptoe of expectation we are in the most prophetically filled hour the world has ever known but well let's don't get so deep as to say prophetically filled let's just be as simple as he said ask and what good receive seek and what knock and what then we ought to be expecting something to happen when he said all you got to do is ask all you got to do is seek all you got to do is knock and then it goes on to say the part that we don't usually refer to. The next verse says, for every, everyone, everyone, no one denied, nobody failed, everyone that asketh, receiveth, everyone that seeketh, findeth, everyone that knocketh, to him it shall be opened. All we need today is an earth. We need to add an earth. Because if you have an earth in your prayer, that means you don't stop until you get it. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking until God does it. We need to be expecting God to do great things. One of the hardest stories in the Bible for me to understand is the disciples are in a storm and Jesus comes walking on the water. You'd have thought they'd have been shouting the victory. Hallelujah. Here comes help. Here comes our rescue. Everything's going to be all right now. And the Bible said they were terrorized in fear and thought he was Casper. <laughs> but not a friendly ghost. They thought he was a spirit. I'm talking about the men that were close to him. I'm talking about the hand-picked chosen few. When he came to them on the water to bail them out of their problem, the Bible said they were filled with fear. You know why they were afraid? One thing. They were not expecting him. They were not expecting him. And when they saw him coming, it scared the daylights out of them because they were not expecting him to come. I want somebody just a few minutes to rise to your feet and expect you're going to be healed. And expect you're going to be delivered. And expect you're going to speak a language you've never spoken before. And expect God is going to do what others thought he could never do. Clap your hands and shout hallelujah. 
For those of you that know the Bible, in Acts chapter 3, the Bible talks about the first miracle after Pentecost. It was the healing of the lame man at the gate. Beautiful. I don't have time to preach all that, but I'll throw a couple things out here for our preachers to chew on later on maybe. I want you to know the Bible said he was brought daily to the gate. Everybody say daily. He was brought daily to the gate. I want to encourage you, Pastor. He brought, somebody brought him daily. He was crippled. Brought him to the gate. The next chapter says he was at least 40 years old. And they brought him daily to the gate of the temple. Two things you need to understand that was incredible about this people. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't say who they were. It just said they. They. It doesn't name who they were. It says they brought him. David kind of gave us a clue or the writer of Psalms when he said, I was glad when they said unto us, let us go. I don't know who they were, but they were wonderful people. How many of you are glad you had a they in your life and somebody said, I want you to go to church with me. One of the greatest days of your life is when somebody brings you to where Jesus is. When somebody brings you to church. So notice with me quickly, two things I want you to know about they. And here, this is they right over here. They, they brought him daily to the gate. Number one, the law said cripples could never enter the temple. There was no hope in the law for anything to happen because it was impossible by the law to bring him in to the, inside the temple. But the Bible said they brought him to the gate and that's what you're doing. You see, I can't bring people into the kingdom. Even knowing they could never get him in. They said, we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> we're just going to get him as close as we can. I can't put you in the church. That's not your job. That's not my job. But my job is to get these kids, to get these people, get everybody I can. Get them just as close as I can. Get them as close as I can. Because one day, <clears throat> I may carry them to church, but when they go home, they may walk. You got to carry your cripples till the miracle comes. And our churches are filled with cripples. But the reason we keep carrying them is because we believe one day the right song is going to be sung. The right message is going to be preached. The right move of God is going to happen. And they may have been carried for years, but the miracle's going to happen and they'll walk home. The second thing I want to say about that quickly is this. Anybody could have said, no use to bring them. His motive is wrong. He was only there to fleece the saints. He wasn't interested in what was going on in the temple. He was there with his little cup begging for alms. He was there just to get out of them what he could get out of them. Don't ever question anybody's motive for coming. This man's motive was totally incorrect. But God did not care. He gave him a miracle. If they come for a, for a hot dog, bring them on. If they come for a bicycle, bring them on. If they come for a $50 Walmart card, bring them on. Because they can still get a miracle even if their motive isn't right. Besides that, how many of us has been in the church for years would say, first time we went to church, we went because we wanted to get saved. I say not. I say not. 
Most of you went because mama said you had to go or because it was Mother's Day and you need to go or Father's Day and you decide to go or somebody bugged the daylights out of you until you came or there was some perfume or cologne there. I don't know. There's a lot of things that brings people to church. But we don't care how they come and we don't care why they come just as long as they come because it doesn't matter how you come. What matters is how you leave. Now notice, we could preach on Acts 3 about the power of unity. Peter and John went up together. We could preach about prayer. They were going to a prayer meeting. We could preach on the name of Jesus. Because he said in the name of Jesus. But there may be something that we have not highlighted. And that's Acts 3.15. When the Bible said that he... uh, He gave heed unto them. What? Expecting to receive. There's the power of the name there. There's a power of unity there. There's a power of prayer there. But there's something equal to that. And that's the power of expectation. He looked at them expecting to receive. There is something in being able just to rise to your feet and say, I'm not going to ask him. I'm not going to beg him. I'm just going to stand up and expect God to do it. Turn around somebody and say, are you expecting something tonight? Are you expecting something tonight? God honors expectation. Wherever somebody is believing and expecting that God is going to do great things, he shows up. Hebrews Bible says, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Notice now, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I realize that's talking about the end of the age and the coming of the Lord and a whole lot of people are not going to know it's happened because they're not looking for it. But only those that are looking are going to see him. I enjoy hunting as your son. He and I are comrades in hunting. and I hunt year round. Not in the field, but everywhere I go. I see deer everywhere. And my wife said, how did you see that deer? <laughs> I was looking. (laughs) I was looking. I look at the power lines. I look at the fields. I look at people's backyards. I'm looking. And so I see a lot of stuff that a lot of people never see simply because I am looking. I see more tonight than young boys. I see more tonight than needy women. I see more tonight than lost men. I see people being filled with the Holy Ghost. I see lives being changed. I see miracles. Because when I came to church tonight, I came looking for him. When you come to church, you need to come looking for him. 
I'm not surprised when I feel him. I knew he was coming. I'm not surprised when he shows up. I knew he was going to be there. I'm not at all alarmed by what you're going to start feeling something right now. Don't let it scare you because that's what you're looking for. That cold chill that you're feeling right now. That move of something up and down your spine. That touch of something that's supernatural. That's what you are anticipating. It's something maybe we've overlooked as preachers on the day of Pentecost. 120 received the Holy Ghost. And an ignorant fisherman, Peter, said, This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel hundreds of years ago. He said, This is that. Everybody shout, This is that. And after that, after he said this is that 3,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost you know why he identified it he said that's it that's it that's what, that's what we've been pay, praying for that's what we've been looking for I don't, I, I don't know how many times your miracle has come by you but you failed to identify it it's, it's touched you it's moved on you. And when it came by, you failed to realize, what was that? It was your miracle. It was your deliverance. It was your change of life that would cause you to never, ever be the same again. It was the miracle power of God. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. We're going to change our posture tonight. We're not looking down. We're not shrugging our shoulders. We're not holding our heads down. We're going to move up on tiptoe of expectation. If you're feeling something brushed by you right now, would you raise your hand? If you feel the atmosphere, the supernatural, hands are going up all over this room. I'm telling you, that's your touch. That's your deliverance. That's your miracle. That's your baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want everybody in the room to stand right now. Clap your hands and expect God to give you a miracle. There is great faith in this house tonight. And this house is filled with expectation. Hallelujah. I don't know what you came here expecting God to do, but the Bible says He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask and more than you can think. So whatever your expectation was, why don't you just let it, just raise it a notch or two. There are people here tonight who have genuine needs in your life. You came here tonight and maybe you've never voiced it to anyone but you thought to yourself oh if only tonight is the night of your oh if only tonight is the night for oh if only to become reality hallelujah 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 if everyone would stand please everyone everyone stand Something happens when you stand. When you stand, you're prepared for some for activity. 
and there is there is activity in the atmosphere right now there is spiritual activity here right now now while you're standing would you just bow your head and close your eyes if you came here tonight with a need in your life if you came here with that one of those if onlys would you just lift your hand right now no one's no one ah that's beautiful that's beautiful that's beautiful because God's looking at you and when you lifted your hand tonight you were telling God I'm expecting you to do what I had longed for what I had wished for what I had hoped for Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, if you lifted your hand, would you just would would you just be willing to walk now? If you lifted your hand, why don't you just walk right up here? That's beautiful. That's good. Come on, come on. There were more, there were more of you that had your hands up. Uh, if the altar team will please come and, and line up here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There are miracles about to take place. The people that are walking to the front of this room right now are not going to go back disappointed. You are going to leave differently than you came. The power of the Holy Ghost is here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. you lifted your hand like Bishop just said for anything if you got a sickness if you've got a disease if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit you got a situation going on in your life and you lifted your hand you can still come down we got still got a few more folks coming down still got a few more folks coming down that's right they still coming down now here's what we're going to do we do things a little different here as you as you can tell, we give instructions. We're all going to repent together as a family in just a few moments. You say, what? Yeah. We're going to repent as a family. Huh? Now, I'm, I'm a country boy, so let me just break it down country style. That Holy Ghost is what gives you power. You heard Brother Huntley, mighty man of God, preaching about that expectation. That Bible says that when that Holy Ghost falls on you when it comes to you it said you shall receive power not only do you get power to be a witness but you get power to look at the enemy and tell the enemy I've got dominion over you you're nothing but a liar you're nothing but a deceiver you're the father of lies the truth isn't in you so we're going to believe we're going to repent as a family and after we repent whatever you need from the Lord we're going to tell him but while we're doing that, I want us all to be saying, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Let me explain the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not saying, Lord, I accept you as my personal Savior. That's not the question. The question is, it's not if you've accepted him, but has he accepted you? And you say, well, how do I know I he accepted me the Bible says that when they received the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with other tongues so let me break it down country style red redneck style y'all ready if all you know is English and you get to speak in a language you don't know congratulations that's the Holy Ghost and now you're bilingual 
If you're already bilingual and you start speaking a language you don't understand, congratulations, that's the Holy Ghost and now you're trilingual. And if you're trilingual and that starts happening, you smart and that's the Holy Ghost. Ain't nobody can give it a Holy Ghost. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. That's telling Jesus I need it all. How many needs it all? I need it all. I didn't just come to sing and help and preach. I need it all. I may be honest and say, I want that Holy Ghost. Raise your hand. Look at that. I want, look at that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right. Twelve people. We got some young people over here wanting the Holy Ghost. Who works in kids' church? Who works in kids' church? CC? Get over here, baby. Come out. Get in front of them babies. Act like you at home. Who else works kid church? All right. Y'all help us out. All right. Let's do it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent as a family. Are you ready? Let's all repent together. Say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for everything that I've thought, that I've done, and that I've said, and that I've heard. Forgive me, Lord of things I don't even realize I have done. I give myself 100% to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my miracle, for my deliverance, for my healing. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Are you ready? Let's just start thanking him right now. Thank you, Lord.